steps over to Ron Lowe. Seven straight points by Ivers. It looked like he was dead in the water. Well, slips her by six. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. If that's the last image of Michael Jordan, how magnificent the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, we'll be looking at the Coach K retirement, NBA head coaching shakeups, and later Fonz DeFalco joins the show to talk Knicks and preview the second round of the playoffs. So I hope everybody's doing well. We have a fantastic slate of basketball going on right now. We got the NBA playoffs. We got the NBA draft coming up soon. It's it's great stuff. And we're going to have a little disparity in this year's playoffs as LeBron and Steph and the normal faces that we usually see in the NBA championships won't be there. We, we're going to have some first-time NBA champions this year, and I'm really excited about it. it it'll be fun, you know. Really, the Clippers and the Nets are the only teams remaining that, like, the headlining players wouldn't be uh, first-time champions. But even them, too, Paul George would be a first-time champion. James Harden would be a first-time champion. But the Nets, you know, you got Kyrie would be second. KD would be third. All the other teams, the entire team will be first-time champions. You look at the Suns. Chris Paul hasn't won. Devin Booker hasn't even made the playoffs. Uh, the Jazz, the entire team, looking for their first championship. It's it's going to be sick. It's going to be, um, it's going to be really cool. To it's definitely going to be really cool to see. And I'm excited for the NBA, uh, for the NBA playoffs to start getting deeper and deeper. We're going to go over the second round. We're going to Fonz DeFalco is going to join the show uh, to preview each of the games going on in the second round. So it's so very excited, very excited to see that. And we got what's up, Alec Walt, fan of the show, fan of review and preview. What do you think the Celtic? Who do you think the Celtics will sign? That's a good question. That's a good question. Before we jump into anything else, um, I think that they they still need a big man. I still think they need a big man. Uh, you know, Tristan Thompson was kind of just a band aid for that. Robert Williams is always hurt. I feel like I feel like they need to go all in on a big man. I there's there's a lot of things that they need to do. First, need to find a head coach and you know, see how Brad Stevens does with this new uh, with his new role. Uh, there's a lot of question marks in Boston, and I think that you know Tatum and Brown are there for the long haul. Marcus Smart seems like he might be on the move. Uh, he either sign elsewhere or they might trade him for for picks. But I I don't know specifically, to be honest with you. I think they need another 
high caliber player, and I think that they might need a big man. Andre Drummond could be a good one that they should go after to try and sign him this offseason. So I think that you know that that should be a key for the Celtics, but it's it's tough to tell. It's tough to tell. They got a lot going on, but it's it's going to be an interesting offseason for Boston. I mean, I'm excited to see it. We'll jump into the to the Celtics head coaching uh situation. But for anybody watching, if you want to leave a comment, please feel free. Uh, you know, these this show is for is for you guys. I'll get to every comment if you have any questions for me and be more than happy to uh to go over anything, answer any questions, anything that's uh, that's on your mind, let me know. We we love it and we want to see as many people comment as possible. So, now jumping shifting from the NBA over to college basketball. Our only real college basketball headline today is Coach K is set to retire. Everybody knows this, even people who aren't college basketball fans. Coach K is set to retire. John Shire will take over as the new head coach of Duke after this upcoming season, the 2021-2022 season. Coach K will coach this season and will call it quits once the season's over. Uh, he's 74 years old. Possibly the greatest coach in college basketball history. You know, there's you don't even have to get too in depth about it because everybody who's watching this show, I'm sure, is well aware of Coach K's decorations and you know how much he's meant to basketball. Even if you're not a college basketball fan, it's a big headline that Coach K is going to step down. And I feel like we're going to start seeing that more and more. You know, Roy Williams started it earlier when he announced that he was uh, he was leaving UNC and. I think that these older head coaches that are big time names are going to start, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what a Tom Izzo does. And, you know, these guys who are getting up there in age and we've saw a lot of younger head coaches begin to take over and that's going to be the case uh, moving forward too. So I think that, I think that's going to be really interesting. I'm interested to see how John Shire does, uh, you know, you know, Coach K is 74 years old, so it makes sense. He was a career 1,170 and 361. So 1,170 and 361 was his career record, 97 and 30 in the tournament. Uh, he had five championships, obviously. Going to look for a sixth one to try to cap off his career. And he's been the head coach of Duke for the past 40 years. Since 1980, he was named head coach of Duke. So way before most of us have even been alive. But John Shire who was one of his top assistants, is gearing up to take over. Uh, John Shire, for anybody who isn't too familiar with him, he was a star at Duke from 2006 to 2010, a point guard. Uh, he's been an assistant slash associate head coach under Coach K since 2014. So he's been groomed to be next in line. You know, He's been the guy that they really think that they've thought for a while is going to be the next in line. He was an assistant head coach and just became an associate either a year or two ago and was Coach K's right-hand man, basically. And he's only 33 years old, so similar to Coach K. Coach K was 34, I believe, when he took the uh, when he took the Duke job. Uh, Shire's going to be 33. You know, obviously, it would be crazy to think you're going to get a four, 40 years out of John Shire. So anything is possible, but it's, you know, to assume that would be crazy. But he's 33 years old. You know, they want to go with a young head coach. And he was reportedly a key piece to landing some of their recent top prospects like Zion Williamson and Jason Tatum and more, too. So he's got a good eye in the recruitment game. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to pitch 
Duke University, and it's going to be very interesting to see. Going to be very interesting to see. We got Henry and Dichter of Review and Preview. Hank, how you doing? Whether or not you like it, you like or hate Duke Coach K deserves all the respect in the world. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm not the biggest Duke fan myself, but you can't help but respect him. He's always, he's been, you know, the face of college basketball for years and consistent, dominant teams. And, you know, a lot of people are wondering, is this, is this new renaissance with the transfer portal part of the reason that he's stepping down? I don't really think so. I think it's kind of that it's just beginning to be his time. You know, you got to give the man credit. He's 74 years old. He probably wants to spend some time with his family now too. He's been at Duke for 40 years. So let's, so just got to look at it that way. Now jumping back into the NBA, which we'll stay at for the rest of the show. Uh, not much going on in college basketball, obviously, besides the coach. K. a few head coaching firings happened over the past few days, which is really, really kind of shook up the league a little bit. One of the smaller ones that, you know, kind of went under the radar was Steve Clifford was Steve Clifford part of ways with the magic. Uh, the two magic embraced their full rebuild and the two part, the two mutually agreed to part ways, uh, just a few days ago, Clifford, 59 years old, was an assistant in the NBA from 2001 to 2013. He was a longtime assistant. He's been a coach in the NBA from, for the past 20 years. He was an assistant for the Knicks, Rockets, Magic, and Lakers, was the head coach of the Charlotte Bobcats, turned Hornets from 2013 to 2018, and then the Magic head coach from 2018 to 2021. So he's been a head coach for the past eight seasons consecutively. He's a kind of guy who's a good basketball mind. Uh, not too shocking as the Magic completely went into rebuild mode at this year's deadline. Uh, so the, this really doesn't make isn't too much of a shocker. Clifford's an older coach. He'll definitely. Uh, I one of my predictions is that he's he won't have a tough time finding an assistant coach job. Somebody's going to pick him up quickly to be an assistant. He probably won't get another uh, head coaching job. I don't think Portland would be very interested. I don't think Boston's going to be very interested, but I could see him doing like what Mike D'Antoni did, you know, after leaving Houston last year, taking Brooklyn's assistant. I could see Clifford becoming a top assistant for, for somebody. He was took over after Frank Vogel was fired. He was fired from the Hornets and took over that. So look for the magic, to, but for the magic, look for the magic to hire a young coach. That's what I think. They need somebody that they can build the team around. They're in complete rebuild mode. There's no doubt about that. And they need a young head coach that can grow along with the team too. You know, I'd really, people have brought up Terry Stotts, who we'll get into next, actually. Um, I feel like that that won't be the situation. I feel like that's you know they they could go after a former player, a young former player that retired recently. Chauncey Billups is one name we'll get into. Sam Cassell's a name we'll get into. Uh, but I they're going to go. They they should at least go the young coach route because they want to build the team around a young coach and you know have somebody there along the way. And we got a couple more comments. Tom Scavetta of Review and Preview, of course. I remember when Shire was a player. I do too. He was good. He was really good. Especially his last two years, too, if I remember correctly. His last two years were really good. And Mario Joinis, who was on our show before, uh, Magic should go after Penny for a coach. Why not? I, I like that a lot. I was actually I actually saw that uh, as a rumor on Twitter. 
uh that would be really sick that would be really sick to the franchise that you know he was the star he was a star of you know if it wasn't for injuries he'd be a hall of famer uh he's he's done a good job at memphis as a leader you know they haven't been able to win many games haven't he's been able to attract the uh the talent but he hasn't been able to turn it into to winning but i think that you know i think penny hardaway this kind of guy who will make his way to the NBA eventually. You know, he's the head coach of Memphis right now, his alma mater. But I think he's going to make his way back. And, you know, you never know. I wouldn't be shocked if the Magic do interview him. I don't know if they'll hire him, but I I wouldn't be shocked. So I'm looking for them to, you know, possibly hire a younger head coach. And then the more important part, parting ways that we saw the last couple of days, Terry Stotts, parts ways with the Blazers. Um, This was not at all unexpected after the Trailblazers lost this series to the Nuggets. Even though the Blazers were the sixth seed and the Nuggets were the three, the Nuggets did not have Jamal Murray. A lot of people considered the Trailblazers to be the favorites in that series, and they ended up, you know, they obviously ended up getting eliminated in the first round. Uh, Many are questioning if they're wasting Damian Lewis prime, if they're going to actually legitimately try to trade him this offseason. But Terry Stotts, on not very shockingly was bounced and he spent the past nine seasons with Portland uh, from 2012 to 2021. Before that, he was the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks from 2005 to 2007 and the Hawks from 2002 to 2004. So he, you know, he's made his way around the NBA a little bit. Uh, you know, they, he, they had high regards for Terry Stotts. Damian Lillard uh, put something out on Instagram and Twitter's, saying how much he's going to miss Terry Stotts, how much of a key impact he was on him. You know, he's the only he's actually the only head coach that Lillard's ever had. Um the second that that Lillard came into the league, Terry Stotts took over as Trailblazers head coach. So that's that's something to remember. He's the only head coach in the league that Lillard has ever had. Uh Lillard has high regards from everybody on the Blazers has high regards for him. It just, you know, wasn't working. And no one really expected that he would have stayed there. Then Damian Lillard reportedly came out and said that uh, he wants Jason Kidd as his next head coach, but Kidd soon took his name out of consideration for the position. An interesting move. Um, I don't know really what that means. If Kidd is drawing interest from the Celtics, and, you know, if he, if he has to choose between the Celtics and Trailblazers, he'll take the Celtics job any day of the week. I'm sure about that. But is he getting the interest from the Celtics, or does he want to stay as an assistant for the Lakers? Like, is that is that more of an interest to potentially, you know, to to keep to stay there, stay with what he's building there, or wait and see what other head coaching jobs kind of pop up if uh, you know other teams get eliminated and they decide to fire some of their head coaches? But it's interesting to try to put together if. Uh, He's actually legitimately drawing interest from other teams, and that's why he ruled out the Blazers. Or he just has no intention on on moving to Portland and wanting to take wanting to be the head coach of the Trail Blazers as his third team. Very interesting. But Terry Stotts is out in Portland. Uh, not not shocking at all. And then that brings up the Celtics situation. The Celtics situation is very very weird. So Brad Stevens will take over as the Celtics basketball operations as head of the basketball basketball operations basically means he's the president. He's taking over what Danny Ainge was doing. Danny Ainge is going to retire. Uh, you know, when the, this first came out, 
a lot of people's first impressions was, wow, like Brad Stevens is going to kind of do what Thibodeau did in Minnesota and what Greg Popovich is doing in San Antonio as being a head coach slash president of basketball operations, you know, just basically running the entire team. So the, that was uh, that that was the first thing that came to mind. But then you heard he's kind of worn out from head coaching. He's not going to be the head coach anymore, but he's going to be full time in the front office and he's going to try to help fill that head coaching vacancy. That's the first one, you know, as, as we got that question from Alec Waltz at the beginning of the show, who the Celtics are going to try to sign. I think the most important thing is the, they're going to try to find their head coach first. You know, I think, I still think they need a big man. That's been my thing that I, that I've thought for a long time, but you know, with their head coaching search, beginning and a lot of names being thrown around you know we've been we've been hearing everybody from every which way talking about you know who the Celtics should should look at I put together five names that I legitimately think that should be good candidates for the Celtics head coaching job so here are Paul's choices for the Celtics head coach these are five guys that I think should at least get some recognition so should at least get an interview uh they might not end up hiring any of these guys but the these guys are all next in line to be good head coaches. The first one and the only NBA experienced head coach on this list is Terry Stotts. You know, everybody everybody's gonna gonna think that he's the best guy on the market right now since Portland just got rid of him. He's well, very well experienced if they're looking to go that route. Sixty three years old, he's got some years left in him. Uh, obviously, he's been a head coach in the NBA since two thousand two. So, and before that, an assistant. So he knows he's been around a lot. He's a very experienced head coach. So if they decide to go the experienced veteran route, Terry Stotts is going to is obviously going to should be at the top of their list. But if they decide to go for a first year former player, uh, that would be an interesting one. And the first one I have is Sam Cassell. I think Sam Cassell is very, very close and very on the verge of getting a head coaching job. He's been a fantastic assistant. He's 51 years old now. He was a 16-year NBA vet, three-time NBA champion with the Rockets and the Celtics, and was has been an assistant in the NBA since 2009. He retired and almost immediately became an assistant. I believe he, reti- he retired in 2008 after he won the championship with the Celtics and immediately became an assistant for the Wizards from 2009 to 2014, the Clippers from 2014 to 2020, and then the Sixers this past season. Uh, he joined their bench. He basically, basically followed Doc Rivers. He was with Doc Rivers his entire time on the Clippers, and then he joined Doc Rivers when he went to the Sixers. So Cassell has been is a hundred percent getting very, very close to getting a head coaching job. A lot of people speak highly of him. He's gotten a few interviews in the past, so I think that the Celtics are going to look at him. You know, he and he's a former Celtic too. You know, they like they like that Celtics are like family. They have they. Uh, they treat their family right. And, you know, you know, Sam Cassell won a championship with the Celtics. He's going to definitely draw some interest. And then the other one, Jawan Howard, I think is going to be, is an interesting one to watch out for. Uh, 48 years old, but obviously a 20 year NBA vet, two time champion with the heat was a former all-star and was a fab five member for the college, all the college basketball fans out there. And currently is the head coach of Michigan. Uh, the big question is, how much interest he actually has of leaving Michigan. I don't really know. You know, he's building a great program there and, you know, he'll definitely pop up in some NBA head coaching jobs, but if he loves it in Michigan, then, then 
uh, there's no shot that he's going to leave. But he was the Miami Heat's assistant coach from the day that he retired from right after he retired 2013 to 2019. And then he got the Michigan head coaching job, which was, which is all the modern. So that's an interesting one to look at. Um, I think, you know, Juwan Howard has done a great job with Michigan landing some recruits. Uh, they were so dominant this year uh, in college basketball. So, you know, I, I don't think he's going to leave. I don't think he would leave after two seasons at Michigan. I think he's going to stay there a lot longer, but he might make his way to the NBA one day. You never know. But he, he's a guy that could get an interview. David Vanderpool is another one. Uh, it was a little shocking to me that Lillard came out and said that he preferred Jason Kidd over Vanderpool because, you know, him and McCollum were very vocal about how Vanderpool got snubbed for the Timberwolves job. Uh, David Vanderpool, for anybody who doesn't know, all did, most diehard NBA fans know about David Vanderpool. Anybody who doesn't know about him, he's 48 years old, played 13 years overseas, uh, was a trailblazer, was an assistant for the Trailblazers from 2012 to 2019, and is currently the Timberwolves associate head coach since 2019. He was the associate head coach under Ryan Saunders and now under Chris Finch, who just got the long, that long-term contract after Saunders was fired. Uh, he brings high regards from the for, from former Blazers, Lillard and McCollum. He's very he's another guy that they think is very on the verge of getting a head coach job. He's gotten at several interviews. So he might be next in line. He's another guy to look at. And then the last name that I think is very interesting is Chauncey Billups. Uh, there's no doubt that over the last few years, Billups is extremely interested in joining a front office and joining somebody's coaching staff. He has been very vocal about that. He's been in the race for some uh, for some management positions. He's 44 years old. He's pretty pretty recently retired. 17 year NBA vet. Obviously, everyone, all diehard NBA fans know all too well. Big Shot Billups. He had a great, tremendous NBA career. NBA champion with the Pistons. He had a five time All Star. Uh, all around great. And he's a current assistant right now for the Clippers. And they he's he's an interesting one because he's a great basketball mind. Obviously, he was a great player and. He is a hundred percent got a future in a front office or as a head coach of a team. So I think that's going to be an interesting one to to look out for. I don't know. Out of those five, those are five that I think that the Celtics should look at and should interview. Then again, um, you know, Celtics have their own way of going about things, so you really never know. But if they're if they're looking for more if an experienced head coach, then you could throw those four names out the window. Cassell, Howard, Vanderpool, and Bill. And you can maybe keep Cassell there, though, because Cassell's been an assistant for the past like 12 years in the NBA. So he's he's very much ex- as experienced as it gets. And Vanderpool's been uh an assistant for a while, but Chauncey Billups has only been one season as an assistant, you know, retired a handful of years ago. So for him getting a head coaching job, and Jawan Howard too has has such a good thing going at Michigan right now. I don't think he his name will pop up. I had to pre- put his name down. His name's going to pop up with a lot of these head coaching jobs. I really don't see him leaving Michigan, and you know I see him. I can see him being an NBA coach one day, but I'm not really too sure that that's going to happen just yet. But those are the head coaching vacancies that are going on. Um, that will transition to the playoffs and along to talk to me about the playoffs. We got Fonz DeFalco, diehard Knicks fan. Yep. Oh yeah. What's going on, Paul? Thank you so much for, uh, for having me. 
Yeah, of course. of course, anytime. So how are you feeling about the Knicks, the first question? Oh, wow, right off the gate. Uh, you know what? It was really uh, it was sad. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was hyped. They made the playoffs. Obviously, I have to rep. This is Mitch Robinson. He didn't play. There you go. There you go. Um, Yeah, it was rough. I talked about this with um, the guy who was commentating before, Alec Wald, about it. I really thought it'd be, you know, Knicks and six. I was saying that. I thought it was going to be a tough series. Yeah. You know, I mean, we was 1-1. The series was tied. I thought we were looking, you know, somewhat good after, you know, game one, a little bit disaster. But game two, we were picking things up. And things just fell apart. I mean, it. Julius Randle struggled, you know, most of the series. R.J. Barrett couldn't hit a three-point shot to save his life, and mainly towards the last couple of games, too. And you really saw the factor of, you know, Nolan's Noel's great, don't get me wrong, but we didn't have a real backup center for him when he was hurt sometimes. And Clint Capella kind of destroyed him from time to time. Mitch couldn't Mitch couldn't play, so we didn't really have a good solid, you know, center to really well to start over Nerlens, but just straight up struggled. And of course, Trey Young just of course had to go off on this whole entire series. So the exactly. most the, literally the most hated man in New York right now. Like I'm not I'm not even kidding. It would you know what though? I'm I'm happy though that they made the plus first time since 2013. You know, listen, you can't take away the season. It was still a successful yeah. season because heading into it. I didn't think they'd make the – maybe they would sniff a playoff spot like towards a lower seed. But the fact that we were able to end off on a four seed, I think it was still a successful season. Obviously, we got to retool the roster a little bit here and there. We got some cap space, some draft picks. Obviously, we kind of have – we know now Julius Reynolds is going to be here for the long haul. I wouldn't say he's going to be our number one guy. But yeah. Harrison Wood, Julius, we good. RJ Barrett's still young. Mitch will come back healthy. Derek Rose wants to come back, and he's been a nice addition for us, trading back for Derek Rose uh, coming off the bench. I think it was good that he was starting later – in the season, and I think he started over Albert Payne by game, I think it was game two, game two, three, I believe. <coughs> so we yeah, got some pieces. Kill. We just need to find that one star, that one guy to help us out, maybe a couple of guys, really. But I, I there is a bright future with uh, with the Knicks, don't get me wrong. Disappointing, yes, but, you know, still a successful season. Definitely, definitely. I feel, I feel the exact same way. You know, obviously you wanted to make it deeper, wanted to try to win at least one playoff series, but it yeah. was a successful season, and they – they overseeded all the expectations. You know, even as a diehard Knicks fan, I thought that we were going to be a 2025 win team this yeah. this year. I had no hopes of a real playoff push, but you know, I was just glad to see them out there. Trey Young yeah. played played out of his mind, and not having it just like you said to not having Mitchell Robinson was a killer, and mm-hmm. Noel being hurt too. We yeah. had nobody to protect the paint, and Capella was able to do whatever he wanted. Uh, when when we when we were actually locking down on Trey in games one and two, forcing him left, he was not as dominant yeah. as he was. When you let him go right, and you know he he can do those, he can throw those lobs up to Capella and Collins, and you know throw those floaters and stuff. If he's going to do that all day long, you're not going to beat them. That's and the game. Got, yeah, That's he game did. right there. And uh, Bogdanovich too played well. You know when I was exactly. guarding up Trey Young, he throws it out to Bogdanovich for a three. They got listen. The Hawks got a. I mean, I'm. I, I will say I am impressed with the Hawks. They're firing Lloyd Pierce and yeah. making it now this far. I mean, we didn't even think they would make the playoffs after that whole disastrous start. And like you said, with the Knicks, you know, I said if anything, maybe seven, eight seed play in tournament. You know, exactly. and then that next exactly. year, I think we'll build up. But I mean, we got a nice head start. Let's just not lose this momentum now heading into the off season. Yeah, that's totally it, and that's what. That's what they got taken to it. This was still an extremely successful season, and the Knicks are back to competitive basketball. That's the key. That's the key that they got. Weird to say. <laughs> weird, weird, weird to say. It's it's extremely weird to say. No. Something we haven't been able to say since Carmelo. Uh, oh, I, re- yeah. I, re- I remember every single game of that 2013 season. And uh, remember that, that Roy Hibbert block? 
that Roy Hibbert blocked him. The, listen, the Roy Hibbert will forever be the most hated player in my mind. I cannot stand the guy. Had. Jorge, just just because of that block. Just because yeah. of that block. Then he was cocky about it, too. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Was, it was bad. That Pacers team, you know, we we couldn't get past them. And, they, I mean, we, and we weren't going to be able to get past, past the Heat anyway. So Yeah, yeah. What could have been, though? That could have been some hell of a series, though, that Heat team versus yeah. that Knicks team. It really could have. really could have. Those damn, really those damn Pacers. Those damn Pacers. Pacers. They have to ruin everything. They always do, even back in the 90s. It's so, forever a 500 team. I still don't get them. That's a whole other story. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I'm right on there. Um, so – Heading into as we were talking about, it's like a little bit ago. Um, heading into the off season, what do you see as the free agency as your free agency wish list and like some of the biggest needs that the Knicks need to kind oh, of address geez. this off season? There's a lot. There's uh, definitely there, a lot. There, there's if we're just looking kind of just at the starting five right now, right? Let's just yeah. look, go from the starting five, right? Right now, point guard. I like Derrick Rose. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's been doing really well off the bench, coming in and starting yeah. from time to time. So I think we need to find a pure. Starting point guard. Um, yeah. uh, we show, we saw what when Dennis Smith he was gone. He didn't help out. Frank Nealakita, I think, is a lost cause at this point. Yeah, uh, Alfred Payton, we saw he kind of got exposed in the playoffs. So I think we need to find and establish a fair point guard. Shooting guard, I think we're fine with RJ Barrett for now. I think this is just all starting lineup. Obviously, uh, small forward. Uh, I like Reggie Bullock, but I think we kind of need to go upgrade on that point too. Bullock's more of a guy that can come off the bench along with Alec Burr. Randall, I think we're good at power forward right now, and then depending on the health of Mitch. I think we have him at center. So I think the two main things are point guard and small forward for now. And then, of course, you got to find some uh, some veteran depth uh, behind guys like Barrett uh, and Robinson, too, especially. I think an extra big in the backup spot would help because we saw in the playoffs when no Noel was out. I don't even know who was our back. I think that we had the guy on the 10-day contract, Norval Pell or something. Yeah, we had Norval Pell. That's and what it was, was yeah. And, that's, and, the, and you could not trust him in uh, playoff minutes. Either. That's what I'm they, saying. Like You need a veteran, really a veteran big, I think. I would exactly. definitely say that's it. Exactly, point guard big and a, and a wing. That would be the three main things I would say. I completely agree. I think that the number one need would be a point guard, a big time playmaker. Derrick Rose is a good bench piece, and mm-hmm. I would love to re-sign him to a couple year, to maybe a two year deal or something mm-hmm. like that to come off the bench. I absolutely love Derrick Rose. He's still a great scorer, but he's a bit of a liability on defense. It's not really his fault, you know. With all those knee injuries he's gone through, he's not nearly as quick as he used to be. That's what I'm saying. And, and it's it's difficult. He you can't rely on him as the starting um, as the starting point guard. I actually just got an alert as we're talking about the Knicks. Twenty twenty one NBA Coach of the Year is Tom Thibodeau. Listen, I look at that. I I definitely th- I would have actually thought Monty Williams was going to get it for the Phoenix Suns yeah, for especially what he was good. doing. Um, even this is from a Knicks fan too, like saying like I think Monty Williams kind of deserved it more. But you know what? Credit to Tom Thibodeau. Like we said, you know he. Had to end his tenure with the Bulls. Had a rocky ending with the Timberwolves. So we yeah. thought he wouldn't be coaching again. Comes back to the Knicks. People thought, oh, he's out of touch with more of his defensive, like you know, going to ruin his star players. Comes in his literally his first season and just changes the Knicks culture completely. So it's and it makes him force him. We said that ah, oh, and play in tournament maybe next year. We'll see what happens. It makes Randall yeah. to an, an All Star, most improved player, and it just. Uh, congrats to Thibodeau. I'm kind of a little bit yeah. shocked, though. I'm not gonna lie, but you know what? Again, Thibodeau definitely was second on my list and well deserved. Yeah, a hundred percent. I thought Monty Williams was going to end up getting it because of what he did with the Suns, kind of flipped that team. But Thibodeau and really, really deserved it the most, I mm-hmm. think, because dude, what he did. You know, this Knicks roster is is 
almost exactly the same as it was last year when they were a terrible team and when they were a 20 win team. Uh, they they got they added a few, you know, you obviously you added quickly, you added top and uh, you added Alec yeah. Burks, who was good, but you even look at the like you had Barrett. Uh, was a rookie. Now he's a sophomore and improved big time this year. But Julius Randle took a huge step yeah, forward. Yeah, really. Yeah, it, it, unbelievable. When Toppin got drafted, we all thought Randle's going to be gone, and then he literally exactly. turned into an all-star player. Now he's going to be with the Knicks for the long haul. I would want him to be yeah. for you know. Oh, definitely. They got they got to lock him up big time. But mm-hmm. then, go, but going back to you know the off-season needs, I agree with that. I think that they need a big man. They, you know, I would like to see them maybe draft a big man with, mm-hmm, one, yeah. of four, with one of their four picks and sign a veteran big man too. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Taj Gibson uh, has anything left if he decides to retire. I like Taj a lot, but you know, you can't rely on him to play big minutes. You can't start yeah, him. at that point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Nerlens, but I wouldn't put him that yeah. way. I absolutely love Nerlens too, but it's. Um, It'll be interesting to see what kind of contract he gets too with the amazing defense he played this season. Yeah, he, uh, he might of, get paid. He's gonna get paid. He might, he might get paid by somebody. somebody. I could see somebody handing him like a three-year, thirty million dollar deal, something like yeah. that. And that's you know one of the one of those bad teams that needs a big man. Yeah, no, definitely. Somebody, I'm looking. I'm looking at the center. The, just want, I'm looking at the center, like the free agent list. Yeah, this isn't this isn't really nothing. I'd rather go with a draft at this point because I mean, when Cody yeah. Zeller's your top free agent center, and then you got Serge uh, Ibaka, Robin Lopez, Thrones, Noel, Daniel Tice, not bad guys, but yeah, I would. But like, knowing the Knicks or even just in general with free agency, they're going to spend a lot of money compared to the free agent point guards, where it's Mike Conley, Goran Dragic, Chris Paul, who declined his player option. Damian Lillard might be on the move or something. So I think you want to spend your free agent money going after a point guard. And maybe just drafting a center at this point. Oh, definitely, and because they don't, they don't need to spend all the money on the big man because you're going to have Mitch back, and you know mm-hmm. you can always, you can always sign a good backup. You can draft one too, but the point guard is the number one need. And then speaking of point guard, you know the name is going to be floating around all the time, and you never know how legitimate it is. Do you think a Damian Lillard trade? It's something. It's something that could actually happen. I got. I have. I have some opinions about it. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to talk about it. You know, we've been talking mm-hmm. about a potential Damian Lillard trade for the past five years. Uh, and no one knows if it's even going to. If that's ever going to happen, I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. But the. What, do you think that it's a possibility? And what do you think it would take to give it to get somebody like him? Well, this is so putting obviously keep my Knicks hat on. I would love Damian Lillard on the Knicks. Yeah, now taking cool. it all now taking it off here. Damian Lillard's one of my favorite players in the league. Yeah, um, really, I love watching him play. Great guy. I mean, he's been loyal with Portland. Who I mean, they yes they made the playoffs, but they never really made it that far in the playoffs. And he said he wants to stay in Portland for his career. Do I think it'll happen? Likely not. And say by a miracle, like they can pull something. This guy's a superstar with Lillard, so you're going to have to give up a lot for him. I mean, obviously, a lot of probably first-round picks, a couple of – I mean, a player or two here, but if they say if they trade it, you're not going to have a first-round pick for the next couple of seasons. If, if yeah. Coming off a season like Lillard had, especially in the playoffs where he dropped 55 in a playoff game, it's not like he was injured. You can probably get him for cheaper. This guy is, is as healthy as ever with the – with a lot of great games he had this season, you're going to have to give up a lot. So it, it's unlikely. I kind of agree with you. It's got to be like a thing where like Damien's like, all right, well, I guess I will play and the porn's going to be blown away with the offer. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that like the floor for a trade for Damien, I think is, is probably quickly top in and four first round picks. 
That's yeah, what I probably that's would say that. Yeah, I would probably throw that in there. I wouldn't. You wouldn't. I mean, if you're the Knicks, I would say Randall's untouchable right now. Exactly. And exactly. RJ, I would say, but everyone else yes. can be unless they want to trade. I mean, would you? Would yeah. they even do it though? Like, say, if Portland goes, we want RJ in the deal. Would you trade RJ for Damian Lillard? That's that's the problem. Because do you think that you know? If you could end up trading quickly or in top, and do you think that pairing RJ, Lillard, and Randall together would be better? Obviously, it would be much better than just Lillard and Randall. And do you think that just Lillard and Randall is good enough right there to compete in the East? Because you're giving up a lot if you have to trade RJ. I don't know if just that's good enough. No, no, it wouldn't be. I mean, they're both good, and they'd be both good. Then you like good one-two punch. Then you got to obviously find a replacement for RJ. Then you got to find backups for Randall again. Then you got to find a backup if Derek, if you can't bring back Derek Rose for Lillard too, because you still got to yeah. build up on that bench. So it could be a little bit difficult, but it's going to be a lot if the Knicks want to even consider it. And maybe they might not want to do it. Maybe they'll wait till not necessarily he's a free agent, but if anybody else is a free agent too, I think they would rather go for someone like Conley or Chris Paul coming like into the free agent market. No, definitely. What do. I, I think so. I think the best route is going to be to try to get one of the point guards and to maybe draft one um, and, you know, see what you can do from there. There's going to be a lot of good point guard free agents available. And if you can always sign one, it's better than having to trade for one, Yeah, obviously. So Trey Young is still wheeling and yeah. dealing in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> little, little shout out to Clyde Fraser right there. No, um, I mean, he, he is something, man. I listen, I Listen, I can't, I couldn't stand him in this series. Now I'm liking watching him. Now you know it's I against know. the Knicks. I was like, I can't stand this guy, but God, he's been doing so good in that game against Philly too. Yeah, goodness, man, really. I'll, I'll, like I'll be honest with you, even loving, even as big of a diehard Knicks fan I am, even with the with what he did to the Knicks and stuff, I respect it though. Like it's just nah. he, he was he was just cold blood as a basketball fan. You gotta like you gotta respect that. It was I do I do. It was just, it was absolutely it was it was unbelievable. Going it was into an environment like Madison Square Garden yeah. where they the fans are crazy as it is, even when they were really bad, and now they're a team that's good. You're going into yeah. MSG first time with fans. I mean, to respect that and to literally just silence the crowd and, and, you know, get people so annoyed with him. Even myself. I was mad at him. Really. Exactly. We all, we all hated him. We all hated mm-hmm. him. Oh, was, yeah. And we're going to hate him for a long time. Knicks fans don't forget those kind of things. Oh, no. That's, yeah, that's, for that's, sure. something, that's something that us Knicks fans are going to remember till he's 40 years old playing yeah. the final years of his career. We're still going to be chirping him every time that Atlanta comes to uh, comes 100%. To 100%. Literally, that's what's going to happen too. It, oh yeah, he's going to—he's never going to live it down. But you know, he's—he—he <laughs> he looks like he's built for it. So that's—that's mm. that, that's the key. So mm. jumping from the Knicks, we got second round playoff slate begins. Obviously, began kind of began the last two days. Uh, the Nets beat the Bucks to take a one nothing to take a one nothing lead. The Hawks beat the Sixers yesterday to take a one nothing lead. But the Western Conference begins uh, starting today. You got Nuggets versus Suns, and then Jazz versus Clippers tomorrow. Uh, for each of the series, Hawks versus Sixers. You know the Hawks are up one nothing right now. Uh, who do you like in the series, and what are the X factors you think the the better the kind of the best matchups to look out for? I mean, I really think with the way the Hawks have been, I mean, they've been, they did really well. I mean, they were up, what was it, 42 to 20 yeah. something in the first quarter. And then by like the half, I know the Sixers had a nice comeback, but it fell short. I, really, I mean, Trey Young was just incredible. Clint Capella, I mean, really was, at least in the rebounding department, was out battling Joel Embiid, who was also yeah. uh, an MVP candidate, too. I, you know what, I, as much as I like want to say, and this was in home at Philadelphia, so this is all yeah. they're playing in that environment, which is incredible. 
listen, and I like, am I really going to say like the Hawks are going to win this series now after that no. game one though? No, seriously. Like it's, yeah. I did not expect, I thought like the Sixers would wipe the floor with them at least in game one. It'd be like, you know, Sixers and five or something. But yeah, after this first game, I, I don't know. This might go to a, a seven game series. I really think so. I think there's going to be really a tough matchup. Yeah. I'm Capella and Embiid is going to be really a good matchup battle of the bigs there, obviously. Then you got Ben Simmons versus uh, Trey Young, two different play styles, one with more defensive guy who doesn't shoot a three to a guy that all he pretty much, well, no one say that as a jokingly, but shoots threes like it's nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be, that's going to be a really, I mean, might go to seven games. I still, I mean, the Sixers are a one seed for a reason. I think it'll probably go to seven games, but I really think the Hawks are going to give them a run for their money the next couple of games here, too. And a guy that I would say an X factor for the Hawks is Bogdanovich. Who yeah. had another great game too. So I think that's a guy you got to watch out for. Really ha- destroy the Knicks from time to time. You got to keep an eye on him too for the Sixers. Yeah, I I completely agree. You know the Hawks that performance they they put out yesterday was absolutely incredible, and they they're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely locked in. This is as good. You know, this is everything. When they signed all these guys in the offseason, this is more than what they expected was going to happen. You know, Bogdanovich is turning into a big-time player. He hits big shots. Kevin Herter is coming in to giving you big yeah. minutes. Trey Young, you know, you have got so many weapons from deep. And then you got down low, you got Capella, who's, you know, the league's leading rebounder the last couple of seasons. It's it's tough. And, you know, you they got – they have guys who can match up with the Sixers too. You know, you got Capella who can, who's a tremendous defender who can guard, um, who can guard Joel Embiid. The big question is though, I think uh, an interesting one is to see if Ben Simmons will be able to neutralize uh, Trey Young. If he'll be able to, if he'll be able to do it at all. You know, he's probably he gonna be, yeah. He can't. I, I don't know if he can do it. Like that's that's the thing, and they got to. You know, if you watch the Knicks series, you got to try to force him left and. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that they weren't able to do in game one, too. I was watching, uh, you know, he was he was able to toy with the defense as much as he was against the Knicks, even a little bit more in the first half, too, against the Sixers. He was able to he was able to get right by them. You know, Ben Simmons is probably going to be our defensive player of the year. And I think it's interesting. I uh, I think that, you know, the Hawks aren't going anywhere. I, I want to still say like I want to say seven games. I want to say Sixers and seven. Um, I but I need to see how games two and three play out at least before you can, I can give a legitimate one because it's huge. It's a huge. Um, you, you the Hawks are so locked in right now. Like you yeah. can almost you can almost see them beating anybody. I mean, I don't know really? if they uh, like I don't I don't know if they'd be able to. Uh, they play better defense than the Nets do. You know, I oh, it, for sure. it, it was it's tough. Like they the way that they're playing right now, if they can keep it up, I it's it's bad it's it's really bad it is a defensive player of the year uh nominee for a reason ben simmons i mean if he does not lock up trey young i don't know if he i mean it might factor in him actually winning the, the award though so yeah, definitely size difference between the two is like a foot that's crazy to think right? about though i forget yeah. how you forget how tall ben simmons is too you forget yeah. that he like is a point guard too because people would think like he's a forward with his size yeah, exactly. He's like almost seven feet, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so jumping to the next Eastern Conference series, we got Nets versus Bucks. The Nets obviously took a one nothing lead uh, this past Saturday. Uh, who? What do you think? This is going to be a very tough one, and I keep going back and forth with who I think is going to win this. This is going to be 
I think the winner of this series is who represents the East in the finals. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think either of these teams are going to beat the Hawks or the Sixers uh, in the in the uh, whoever wins in the Eastern Conference Finals. But who do you think eventually pulls it out? You know what? I'm going to have to. I said it even in the beginning. I like the Bucks. I like Giannis. But when you have, I mean, Giannis versus Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden's hurt, obviously. But this is before the series. Yeah. James Harden and even Blake Griffin, who literally is now turning it around now this time around. He led the team in rebounding with 14, now playing really well. It's just after Giannis. I mean, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are good, but compare them to the stars the Nets have, they're all healthy now minus Harden. Every majority of the guys are healthy. They're all yeah. clicking at the right time with no better time literally than the playoffs. I think the Nets end up taking this series. I I really think it'll probably be in, in six. I think the 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 Bucks will give them a couple of games because of obviously with Giannis, I mean, former MVP and defensive player of the year. So I think he's going to be like doing good in the series. But after that, though, they don't have a lot of anybody help besides him, too. And the Nets literally have a good starting lineup and a solid bench, too. So I'm going to say the Nets are going to get this one in six. Nice. Yeah. But I, you know, I think, I think Nets in seven. I'm mm -hmm. basically the same as you. Um, you know, seven being generous. Milwaukee did not show a lot of fight in game one. No. I want to see Milwaukee win, obviously. You know, basically everybody who's not a Nets fan wants to see Milwaukee win. You know, yeah. every, we want to see we want to see Giannis make it deep too. Um, I'd love to see Giannis win the championship, but I, I just feel like the Nets star power is going to be too much. Blake Griffin played out of his mind. And if he play, continues to play anywhere close to where he played game one, I, the Bucks don't stand a chance because if they end up getting James Harden back later on in the series too, like yeah, it's, over. It's, it's it's absolutely over. That's a big four right there. If Blake That's Griffin why I'm saying Nets in four because if Harden yeah. comes back before the series ends, I think they'll take that extra game. I think. Yeah. Really. Exactly. I honestly, I completely agree. I think that the Nets are just so overpowering, and I feel like again, whoever wins this series is going to make it to the finals, and. You know, it'll be interesting to see if if the Nets make it past this series, they have an easy, even easier series, I think, against the Sixers or Hawks, uh, and then get ready for the finals. So the that would so it's it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to mm -hmm. be interesting. You know, definitely interesting to see. So then Jazz versus Clippers too over in the West. Um, can anyone neutralize Kawhi? Is the question? Jazz perimeter defense isn't great. Uh, the Jazz are obviously the one seed. This might be the best opportunity, though, for the Clippers to actually win it all, or even or make it through the West. You know, they a lot of people would consider the Clippers the favorite, even though the Jazz are the one seed. Um, they they have a lot more playoff experience. Yeah. You know, I I think that I think it's going to be interesting. What are your thoughts on the series? It, I think is after this. I thought if the Clippers were going to go through Mavericks like easily in like five games or whatever, like I thought, all right, Clippers can easily win this series. They went to seven games against the Mavericks too, which I mean, it did out of sight of Luka Doncic. Porzingis didn't play his best. A lot of the other guys. I really think the Jazz are the one seed for the reason. Donovan Mitchell yeah. is a star. Rudy Gobert, I mean, people make jokes about him or whatever. He's the reason the NBA shut down. Still a fantastic player. Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles, two guys off the bench. They were both six-man finalists with Clarkson winning. Very, I mean, Royce O'Neal, another solid defending player. They're the one seed for the reason. They're a solid team. I I really think, because I think with the Clippers, Kawhi is going to play out of his mind. And Paul George, we still don't know because he has the nickname Playoff P. We make fun of it. Exactly, exactly. I really think the Jazz are going to win this series. I mean, because if the Clippers were easy to go through the Mavericks easily, I would have said, oh, Clippers have a shot here. But going through seven games against just Luka Doncic and nobody else in the Mavericks, 
How are you going to go up against the Jazz with Mitchell, Gobert, and guys like Clarkson and Ingles off the bench? I really think that the Jazz are going to win this series. Now, I think it'll – I mean, it, I think it might be. I'm going to go six in this. I was going to say five, but I think, you know, the Clippers – I mean, Paul George will have that game here and there, but I really think the Jazz are going to win this series in six. Yeah. I have the same thing that you have. I think Jazz in six. Uh, I think that what the Clippers showed against the Mavericks is just so much inconsistency. You know, I thought that this Clippers team was built to make a deep playoff run, and I have a lot of questions about it. This is going to be a very interesting series, too, because we're going to see what the Jazz are made of in this series. This is going to be very telling. You know, they got knocked out of the bubble last year and, you know, kind of a tough – tough loss, tough fashion for them. And, you know, these guys are starting to accumulate more and more playoff experience. Uh, I think that I think this is going to be very telling to see what kind of team the Jazz are and if we can start taking them seriously as a legitimate contender. Because, you know, a lot of people, they had an amazing season this year and they ended up being the one seed and best record in the NBA. But a lot of people were just like, oh, it's the Jazz. This is the Jazz, you know. Yeah, come the Lake, come the Lakers. They're not going to be able to beat the Lakers. Obviously, the Lakers aren't in it anymore. Uh, you know, come the Clippers, they're not going to be able to beat them. Nuggets, if they were healthy, they're not going to be able to beat them. Like the all those kind of criticisms. So, yeah. this is a big series for the Jazz. This is a big series for both of the teams because, like I said before, this is this may be the Clippers' best chance with this group to win a championship because you're going to have the Warriors back refueled next season. Yeah. You're going. To, you're going to have the Lakers, Anthony Davis, LeBron completely healthy, and they're going to try to restack too. So the West is going to get even tougher next year. And, and Kawhi's a free agent. And Kawhi's a free agent, exactly. You have no idea what that what that guy's thinking if he's if you know, no, one, no one will ever know. Literally, no one knows. Exactly. Even if he has if he has any intention on even staying with the Clippers, he might have his heart set on completely on leaving the Clippers already and no one would no one would have any idea so i think it's going to be a very telling series for both it's a must win for both franchises to you know kind of see how they're going but i think jazz and six i think that the jazz overpower them then the last series we got nuggets for Suns. uh the nuggets squeaked by the blazers it was a close one for sure i was thinking the blazers were going to win the series especially without yeah. jamal murray the nuggets are very shorthanded without murray and will barden um this could also be Chris Paul's best, best chance of winning a ring yeah. or at least making it to the finals. Never made it to the finals, obviously. And they, that's the biggest knock on him. He's an amazing player, but he's never won the ring and he's never even made it to the finals. This this Western Conference might be his best opportunity to win. Um, and with no Jamal Murray, I think it's going to be very difficult for the Nuggets. What do you think about this series? This is going to be one of the – this is probably the match I'm going to be paying attention to most. I'm looking forward to this one. Just two teams that have never won the finals. I don't even think ever even – made it to well the Suns did back in the day but I'm saying like never like yeah. really not had success deep playoff runs in a long time I get like you said Chris Paul never really even made it to the to the NBA finals really de- uh, destroyed LeBron and the Los Angeles Lakers which is crazy to even say and you got the Denver Nuggets yeah. with Nikola Jokic the MVP favorite this is gonna this is gonna be a, a seven game series I think and I, I have the Suns winning this one this is gonna be a fun series to watch if they had Jamal Murray I would have said Nuggets in seven but I think that's gonna it's going to catch up to them now heading into like this late in the playoff push. Chris Paul is playing like he's still like young in this league too. Devin Booker's unstoppable. And guys like DeAndre Aiden has been playing really well too. And uh, Mikel Bridges. They have a very overall solid squad, the Phoenix yeah. Suns. I have them. It's going to be a tough series. I'm going to have the Suns in seven. I, I like, I love what I saw from the Suns against the Lakers. And I think that they're, that they're built for it and they're going to, they're really hungry to, uh, to push past, 
to push on and you know make it out of the West. I think that the Nuggets are going to have a lot, pretty difficult time without Jamal Murray. They were able to squeak by against the Blazers, which kind of shocked me. But I think that they're going to have an even more difficult time in this series if they had just like you said, if they had Jamal Murray, I I might be pick. I actually. Probably not even might. I think I would be picking the Nuggets in this mm-hmm. series if they had a completely healthy team. That's but I, I think that uh, you know, I I'm going to go bold with this, and I'm going to say that the Suns win in five. I'm going to say you the think Suns. So. Yeah, you know, I, I originally said uh, I thought about it, but then you look at Jokic yeah. is still playing great. Michael Porter Jr., a guy people forgetting about. This guy was considered number one pick not too long ago if he wasn't yeah. hurt in Missouri. He's been playing stepping up nicely. They have Aaron Gordon. This roster is not solid. I think it's going to go to seven. I mean, I I can see where you're going with it, but I think the yeah. Nuggets will squeak out a game, a couple of games here and there. Yeah, no, exactly. I want to like, you know, I was going back and forth on it. If mm-hmm. I wanted, if I thought I was going to go five, six, or seven, I think there's I, this with this series. There's almost any possibility that it could be a blowout, but it also could easily go to seven games. Yeah. You know, we just have no idea what kind of performance we're going to get out of the Nuggets. Um, where we, they, they played out of their minds against the trailblazers, which was great. And, you know, the Jokic thing is a good point by you too, because they, I don't, I'm not too sure how much I trust Deandre Eden going yeah. up against Nikola Jokic. You know, yeah. I, he can't, he can't really guard the perimeter and Jokic can do just about everything. Yeah. And they, you know, he, he, if you want him to primarily take threes, he's going to, he'll take threes and he'll be and he'll drain them. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's basically the playmaker of the team. So it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Michael Bridges might get some time guarding him on the wing because uh, he's a good defender, but it's obviously undersized against him. It's, it'll be interesting to see who could actually match up with him. And I think, you know, I, I'm going to go bold and say Suns and five, just to be, just to be a little bit different, you know, to have a little bit different pick than, than I've had in the past. All the other, all my other ones were six or seven games, but I, I really have no idea. Yeah. You know, this is this is such a tough series that like I could see I could see it going any which way. If the Nuggets come and play like they played against Portland, this is going to go seven games. That's it doesn't shock me. But if the Suns become too much, overpower them like they did against the Lakers, you know, I I, I don't think that I I think the Nuggets might have a difficult time. It wouldn't. Sh- I mean, that, if they do get in five or even a sleek, it wouldn't shock me. You know, yeah, like, really, like you exactly. said, like, this series can go all over the place. You can even see, yeah. like, honestly, maybe Nuggets and Fires. So, like, it literally can yeah, go it, oh, exactly. anywhere. If the, nuggets, if the Nuggets are playing out of their minds, I can see the Nuggets play, winning in five, too. Yeah, it, like, you, know, really, it, you, like, just cannot tell. Like, these, the other three series, you have a good idea of, you know, who you think is going to win, how many games is going to go, if it's going to go six, seven games, whatever. Uh, this series can go any which way. It really could. Exactly. Then Jay Crowder, another guy I wanted to mention too. That's he, that guy's a dog. He really is. Like he's, he's. I mean, not the best perimeter uh, three point shooter, but that guy is a what a great defender, and he'll let you know too. Like he gave yeah. LeBron some troubles here and there too, so he can definitely give some troubles to like a Michael Porter, and maybe you know what he'll he'll go and try to guard Jokic too, and like he will do oh, it. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's an X factor in this series. You mm-hmm. can't forget about him, you know. And he's coming off of a finals appearance last year with the Heat too. Yeah, um, he's he's a well experienced. He's one of the most underrated players in the entire NBA. I think Absolutely one great. of the most underrated player, one of the most underrated defensive players too. He's and just like you said, he's a dog. He 
he's an amazing player crowder um he he gets in your head he's you know one of those gritty guys that every team needs every good team needs and you know i think that's that's going to be a key i could see i could see him going up against jokic why not yeah and he'll let you know he'll he will let you know (laughs) exactly he'll he'll shut down jokic jokic so you know will miss a fadeaway on him and he'll let you know that is, you know, that he just he just locked down Jokic. So that's going to be that's going to be an interesting one. For sure. For sure. Well, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the 3 and D and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at 3 and D. Fonz, thank you so much for joining the show. Where can the audience catch you and your shows? Well, you can find me uh my podcast is the Slickback Kickback up or wherever you get your podcast is also on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. We're taking a little bit of a break. We're coming back in July better than ever. I'm also on JDF Sports. We're actually coming back this Thursday for Four Corners Pro Wrestling Talk. So you definitely want to tune in for that. So you can definitely follow me. Find me anywhere. Uh, Fonz the Falco. It's the same on all social media. Slickback Kick Reports, the podcast, and also JDF Sports with Four Corners. And Paul, I thank you so much for – let me join here and talk some Knicks and some hoops. This is uh, it's going to be a fun second round. Let me tell you. Definitely, definitely. Thanks for coming on, Fonz. You know, everybody, go check him out. Does great work. You know, I've been I've checked you out a bunch. Uh, got the Zebo jersey in the back. Got to love that too. Oh, right there, right there, perfect. Always right mess there, it up. Right Always there. mess it up. <laughs> Always <laughs> mess it. It's it's all right. I got I got to get you on, Paul. We'll talk. I got to get you on uh, the podcast when we get back and rolling, man. Definitely, definitely got to definitely, definitely got to have you on. I would absolutely love to. Would absolutely love to. That would mm-hmm. be great. So hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and stay tuned for more episodes and brand new, more updates and brand new episodes coming every Monday at seven. Have a great night, everyone.